You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. It was brought to my attention that I butchered this last week. The Unreasonable Odds podcast, my podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, It's a special Monday edition. The national title game is here. We got the game we've been waiting for all year. It was taken away from us due to COVID in December. Baylor and Gonzaga meet in the national title game. And for the occasion, we are bringing in a special guest. Kelly Stewart, you can find her on Twitter, at Kelly in Vegas. You can find her work all over the place. Uh, Bleacher Report betting, Wager Talk, uh, the Kelly and Murray podcast, uh, the Kelly in Vegas proxy service. She's doing pretty much everything out in Vegas. I probably forgot a bunch of stuff there. Uh, Kelly, thank you for joining the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I love it. that when When you said, I hope I don't butcher my own podcast. We've all been there. It's Monday morning. National championship on the brain. You got this. We did change the name in December in my own right. And I didn't get anything wrong. I apparently have just been leaving some, some words out uh, in past weeks, but I got it right today. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so you and I were just talking before we, before we came on. I, I'm thrilled to have this matchup. I'm excited to, to see it. But the betting edges at this point on this game in particular, maybe not necessarily ne- there. Uh, when we were going to get this game in December, I think this was, I think I had Zags minus two somehow in that game before the the ticket got voided. It went to around two and a half, three. Now we had the look ahead line on Saturday sitting at six. Baylor comes out, crushes Houston. Gonzaga looks human versus UCLA. Now it goes to four point uh, to four and a half. So the value, I guess, at this point, I don't think anybody can disagree, is is on Gonzaga. But it's a big stage. Uh, they're undefeated. There's a lot of pressure on them. Where is your head at in, in terms of, of people wanting to bet this spread? There's a ton of narratives here, right? You nailed it. You set it up. Baylor looked so good against Houston. As somebody who had a Houston plus five ticket, I shut it off five minutes into the game. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Baylor shot lights out in that first half. And as you mentioned on the flip side, you have the Zags who have just beaten the bookmakers up week in, week out, first half game. UCLA got the best of them. UCLA played their best game. I'm not saying the Zags didn't play a good game, but I don't think the Zags felt like it was a look-ahead spot necessarily, but they played like it. 
right? They already had yeah. their eyes on the national title game. And when you have UCLA, who is more known as, I would say, a tempo team, someone who plays shutdown defense, be able to go toe-to-toe with you offensively, I think they took the Zags kind of off their game plan. Now, can Baylor do that? Absolutely. Do I think Baylor's going to do that? No. You mentioned six being the look-ahead line. Six is what I made the game. I want to bet the Zags here so bad. I really do. But this Baylor Bears team has shown me so many times why you don't want to bet against them. I took Villanova against them. And in the first half, Nova looked great. And Baylor was able to overcome. This is going to be such a good game, in my opinion. I don't think I want to bet this side. I'm looking at the total, and I already hate myself. Point blank, period, the end. I took the under. Who wants the under in the national championship Mm. game? Who wants to root for defense? This girl right here. Uh, under 159 and a half. I locked it in this morning. I am a little late to the party, but I do think that this one is a little bit too high. I mean, it, this is certainly a stage where it could tighten up. And uh, these are two very good teams uh, that it's interesting. Like we, we almost saw this game earlier in the year and that would give us just kind of a look into what this might be like, even though the stage is different, even though it's a few months later, Um, And I think it just makes betting the game so much more interesting that like literally two hours before that game, it was it was ripped away from us. And like you said, it sounds ridiculous to say was Gonzaga in a look ahead spot in a primetime Saturday night final four game who looks past that. But when you have an 11 seed in front of you and you're undefeated and you're one of the best college teams of all time and, you know, Baylor's already blown Houston out and they're sitting there. Maybe maybe it was just that. It's tough. And, you know, I I am of the school of thought that coaches know the spread. Kids know the spread. We see it get referenced all the time now with the Internet, with all of these different uh, betting sites, with college kids are now immersed in it. So imagine being Gonzaga and being like, we're 14 and a half point favorites in this game. Or they know, again, you mentioned the seating just in that alone. I think that that was probably part of UCLA's. Uh, mentioned, we know that the Arkansas head coach mentioned the spread as well. He goes, I know we're pretty big underdogs in this game. It's kind of nice to hear those things because those are things I've been preaching about for years. So yeah, I don't want to say Gonzaga was necessarily looking ahead, but they sure played like it. And that's not me taking away any credit from UCLA. I thought they looked great. I was cheering hard for them to get the win, even though I did not have the guts to even put a single cent on the money line. You got the points. So you cashed that. Um, Here's the thing with Gonzaga. There's a level in which I agree with you and a level in which I have a little bit of concern. Like they were playing maybe a little too uh, looking past or whatever. I don't even know the word. They were, they looked past UCLA, but UCLA hit like all their shots. They shot lights out. They were, I completely underestimated how hot they were in this tournament. I said that they were getting lucky. You have teams like Alabama, Michigan, both that shoot above 70% from the free throw line. They combined to shoot less than 50% from the line in those wins. I thought it was coming to an abrupt end uh, against uh, against Gonzaga for them, and they just knocked down all their shots. Now, there's individual plays that I see in that game that do concern me a little bit about Gonzaga's defense. Like late in that game, Juzang hit a three to put, I think, UCLA up by two where Suggs was on him. He went down, he doubled the post and left Juzang to do that, like wide open for three. If, if those are the types of decisions or mistakes that the Zags are going to make defensively against Baylor, Butler, Mitchell, Teague are 
probably going to make those shots uh, in, in those situations. Um, I'm really like, I used to do uh, some NBA coverage, some NBA draft coverage. I'm like obsessed with Davion Mitchell right now. I think that he's going to be a fantastic NBA player. He's so well-rounded. He has no problem getting down and dirty on defense. He hits the big shots. The ball is always in his hands, finding the right, the right guys. Um, I, I just think that the, the Baylor offense is going to, to get some looks in this game to, to make it close. So I'm rambling right now. I guess my question is if it, if there's something that scares you about Baylor, what is it? What do you think that matchup is on the floor that you think they would maybe have an advantage with? That's a really interesting question. See, I don't really, I know this sounds weird, but I look at the math behind things like the X's and O stuff is what I really enjoy working with other people on. I can't say that, you know, Teague is going to match up really well against, you know, Suggs or, that he is going to have a great game because Suggs is not going to, right? Like that's where I have to say, okay, look, I can look at from the statistical standpoint and say, okay, look, height wise, yes, Gonzaga has a little bit of height advantage, but Baylor has two big men, those type of things. But from like how the X's and O's and how the game itself is going to break down is not something that's ever been my forte. Fair enough. Um, I was going to quickly mention the player prop market, Maybe you don't have anything there, given given where you're at. I'll say on on Saturday night, I just did a couple of smaller plays, wrote them up in my article for fun. Um, got a little lucky on, on Drew Timmy points. It was at there 19 and a half. He was at 19 at the end of regulation. Got it on the first play in overtime. Sometimes you need luck. Um, and then there's Davion Mitchell, who I'm not, I'm not often this right about things, so I'll take a little victory lap on it. Mitchell over four and a half assists. He had like four at the first media timeout. He had a, a tournament school record, 11 assists in that one. He's somebody. That, so the assist number went from four and a half now jumped up to six and a half. Can't back it at that. The unders minus 150 something last I looked. Uh, even though I lean to, I, I like Gonzaga in this game and the number's too short. I think that Davion Mitchell points, rebounds, assists at 22 and a half. I think he's the engine that makes that team go he has to be involved in a big way and have his, have his fingerprints all over this game. So if there's a prop that I'm going to go to, I think that that's it. Um, do you dabble at all? Even this is almost like the, the Super Bowl of college basketball. So do you have any fun, I guess, once we get to this stage, so dabble in the props? You're right. This is the Super Bowl of college basketball. And I'm going to tell you this about the prop market. I think the bookmakers do such a kick-ass job in the prop market that I rarely get involved. When I do get involved, I look for those overvalued players. You brought up the Super Bowl. Someone like Cheetah, right? I bet Tyreek Hill under receiving yards because I knew that he was juiced too high. So my advice to your listeners is in regards to the players, the prop player, excuse me, the player prop market tonight is to look for those underlying names, right? The guys that are either coming off the bench, the guys that are not going to maybe get a ton of looks because those guys are getting minuscule minutes of the bookmakers time, right? The, the big names, the Drew Timmies of the world, uh, the Jalen Suggs of the world, those guys, the bookmakers have honed in on those numbers and the margins are razor thin. As you mentioned last game with the assist, now the bookmaker said, all right, fine, you had 11 assists last game. We're going to make you pay a premium to bet his assist market. So either people stay away or they're laying a bad number. So be kind of cognizant of that when doing it. And I haven't bet anything in the prop market just yet. As I mentioned, I don't love this game from a betting perspective. I love this game from a sports fan perspective and I'm excited to watch, 
but there isn't a ton of value anywhere you look. I'm going to have a bet on it. As I mentioned, I'm going to play the under, which is the most terrible thing to do in a national championship game, as I've already been told this week. But it makes the most sense. That's where I think that there is a little bit of value. And I do think there is a little bit with the Zags. I think a lot of people are rushing to back Zags money line, and I'm not of that mantra, just not for me to lay that kind of juice in a really tight, contested game. Look, Zags could pull away at the end and beat Baylor by six, and I may be kicking myself, but I just don't think that this is a game worth sweating. There are, you know, 10 baseball games today. There's a ton of NBA slates. I can find better ways to use my money. So keep in mind, you know, this is the Super Bowl of sorts, but just as I preach to people in the Super Bowl, you still need to practice bankroll management, even though it's the last game of the year. That you do. Um, just looking at looking at the players real quick, somebody that maybe fits your mold, and I'm not saying this is something you should go and bet, uh, but Matthew Mayer on, on Baylor. I know his points prop throughout the tournament has been set around seven and a half. He had a pretty good game against Houston. He comes off the bench. He's gone up two points for this game and is now set at nine and a half. So like, that's interesting. That's an example of maybe somebody that's a little bit too, too juiced up in this spot. Yeah. Six, 6.3 points per game. It's funny when you said his name, I automatically think the mullet. I don't even yeah. think of his name. Uh, and so I, right. I feel like I learned his name like recently and I've been watching him play all year. And I, yeah, all I you think I, about I definitely think he is juice. I'm looking at total 8.3 points per season. They're they're expecting him to get Ken Palm's expecting to get 6.3 in this game. That is interesting. The bookmakers have juiced it up. He did play really well against Houston from the few moments of the game that I did watch before I turned it off and said, <laughs> "Okay, no more." Uh, I'm kind of a sore loser like that. I'd rather just turn it off and do something else. Look forward to the next game. It's better than uh, stressing myself out when my plus five ticket is going up in flames. <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk, I guess you mentioned that you're not somebody that hedges, but let's talk the futures market for a minute because these are the two best teams. So I think a lot of people are coming into this game with a Gonzaga to win it all, a Baylor to win it all ticket because those were popular teams to bet to win it all. And here they are meeting as we all kind of hoped that they would. So I told you back in November, I have a Zags plus a thousand ticket. Uh, I think that People along the way have have been betting the Zags even at like, you know, plus 250, 300. We've seen them at kind of late in the season. Baylor pretty recently was sitting around plus 500 uh, to win it all. What is your what is your strategy, I guess, coming into this game? If uh, pretend you're me, you're holding a Zags plus a thousand or you're somebody that's on Baylor. What do you where's your head at in terms of how you want to make it out of this game? So when you're hedging, the reason why you want to hedge is because you want to lock yourself in a profit, right? Or maybe you've overextended yourself. That's something I haven't ever done. So typically, whenever I've considered hedging, it's because I have a three-team money line parlay and I have that third leg, um, you know, to pay fifty-five hundred, and I could put a thousand now on the other side, guarantee myself a twenty-five hundred dollar profit, right? Something of that sort of nature. So because you have a Zags plus a thousand ticket. It's so much more valuable in my eyes than someone who bet the Zags three weeks ago at even money. Right. I would probably consider shopping around for the best money line on Baylor. Now I had a buddy last night, just to give you an example, he had the nuggets on the money line. Yes. Minus 1800 in a big parlay. It was the last of it. And I was just like cringing and I go, I'm going to take the magic plus 17. At this point in time, this is way too many points. The lines moved five points, right? This is dumb. 
I'm taking it. I don't care what happens. This is, this is a plus EV play in my eyes. Sure mm -hmm. enough, Magic lose by 10. But my advice to him was before that, you can do, you can either bet the Magic on the money line, which I don't think that the Nuggets are going to lose. So I probably wouldn't do that. Or you could take them plus 17 for a potential hedge. So if I'm you, I take, try to find a five. Let me look and see if there's still a five available. I doubt there is. If you could find a five, oh, there's a five. Nope, there's not. I was going to say there's a five at DraftKings, but no, there's not. That's the wrong line. You can make a, you can make a five at, at DraftKings. You can make any number oh, you want at DraftKings. <laughs> you can, but please be cautious when, uh, when buying those half points, things of that nature. I will say this, four, five, and six are very popular half points to buy in mm -hmm. college basketball. A lot of sharp groups have done that over the years. Just be cautious as what as to what the bookmakers are charging you to do that. Now, I, that's what I would do. I would take Baylor plus the points for, I would say, whatever amount of money you want to win, the minimum amount, because I don't know how much you have plus 1100 for. Let's say you have a hundred bucks on it, right? So then I would take, I would put me personally, 500 on Baylor plus four and a half because you actually aren't hedging, you're middling. Right. If Baylor loses by one, two, three, or four, you win both tickets. And in my eyes, that makes the most sense from someone who doesn't hedge. Now, and that, that's because I don't ever feel like I've overextended myself and I would be more mad at myself if I cashed the original ticket that I kind of wussed out and took a, a lower cash out amount. So I'm not, I'm with you. I, and I could lose my, my Zags ticket. And I'm like you said, I'm not overextended. I would not be, be hurting if that happened. Uh, I left it completely unhedged the whole way through the tournament um, and was totally fine with that. Now, I didn't think I would have to sweat UCLA and I very much did, um, but I'm with you. Like I was talking with somebody earlier and they're like, all right, you want to put whatever, like three units, four units on Baylor money line. Um, and I was like, well, why not just go with the points here for whatever number you want to decide on? This is somebody that has a Gonzaga ticket as well. Um, and you, this is going to be a great game. I'm very confident that this is going to be a great game. And I think Gonzaga by four or less is a pretty reasonable outcome. Um, so I'm totally with you. The, the ability to win both, um, I, I haven't decided if or quite how much I'm going to hedge. But if I do, it will definitely be Baylor with points versus Baylor money line, especially with the money line. Like the money line at DraftKings right now is sitting at plus 163. Uh, is that all that much different from laying spreads minus 108 right now? Like that's not that much of a difference to get a good chunk of points to middle with, right? I actually don't think it is. I mean, you're getting, we're talking, would you just say it's minus 108, minus 163? Spreads sorry. minus 108. The money line is plus 163. If you wanted yeah. to go with the alternate, you can, you can get Baylor plus five at minus 118 right now on DraftKings. Uh, I'd have to break deep. down the actual math on it, but yeah, we're talking in, in theory, 45 cents here, nothing crazy to get five points. Think about 10 cents each point. That's about right. I think you could, I think you could get the five at minus 118 and then also have your Gonzaga ticket. I think you could hit both and be in a really exciting position at the end of the game, celebrating two cashings of two tickets instead of just one or you know, cashing zero tickets because you're upset that you didn't hedge at all. Exactly. That's what you have to, and everybody has kind of their own 
opinion on this. This is just a do what you feel you want to do. Depends how much money you have on it. It depends what number you have. Um, but just think about at the end of the game, would you be, how would you feel if you came out of it with nothing versus how would you feel if you, would you still be okay if, okay, I came out of it with less money, but that was the the right decision. That's what you have to, to, you know, base these decisions on. Absolutely. I always think of the kid, I forget the movie, but he has the no regrets tattoo. Like you want to make sure that you <laughs> um, don't regret anything. I, I always use that gif on Twitter. You want to make sure you don't regret it, not hedging or hedging at the end. And to me, hedging always seems to be more of a regret uh, in the back of my mind. So I think you're, you got to go with what feels right and how much money, you, you know, I hate saying this, but the sharp guys will always say, guarantee yourself money point blank period, the end. And I I just don't live by that mantra, but it's why I don't do only that professionally. I have lots of other gigs that pay me money so that I cannot hedge my tickets. Right. I mean, that's okay. I had to Google it. Where the Millers is the no regrets. There we go. Um, It was, I was close. I was, couldn't think of it. Um, So that's, I'll do one more, I guess, somewhat question about hedging before we get out of here it's not even hedging but if you're so like if you're betting to to make money which i think a lot of us are um there are also entertainment bets i guess that you can you can factor in i'm kind of just piecing this question together on the fly but like so if i'm if i'm betting to make money that's great i'm building my bankroll etc what do i want that bankroll for that income for to have fun to spend in life on the things that you want to do. So if sometimes that having fun is whatever on Saturday night, you want to take 50 bucks and put it on UCLA money line, because that's how you want to enjoy your Saturday night. You can go ahead and do that. Like, I guess, what's your mentality on, on, you know, because I know you've said you don't overextend yourself. You're, you're building your bankroll. You're very strict about that. But what if you want to use a couple bucks to have fun? Is that Is that part of the equation for you at all? So it's interesting. So I tell people this all the time. I have had to learn by my own mistakes. That's the reason why I am the way I am. And I've had so many people ask me, Kelly, well, why are you, why are you so stringent? I'm like, I have been dead broke. I have (laughs) spent way too much money, had been way too far extended because I was on a cold streak, because I was having degenerate tendencies, whatever those things are. So look, whatever you decide your parameters are, are for you. It's no different than if you're in the stock market, but that's how I treat my bankroll is as if I'm in the stock market. I can't open up my coin. I can, let me rephrase that. I can open up my Coinbase app right now and cash out Bitcoin, right? But I'm not going to, because that's like a separate investment. So I treat my sports investment as such. I only reinvest it into other sports. Me personally, I don't take any of that to go do other things. Like I had a buddy that won a whole bunch of money and he went and bought a new car. And guess what? He went on the worst three week cold streak of his life (laughs) right afterwards. I'm like, why did you do that? We knew that was coming. So for me personally, no, I don't, but you're right. Everybody's kind of got their own little bankroll. And if you want to go out and have beers with your buddies and watch the game and you're like, Hey guys, I just won a hundred bucks tabs on me. That's what you should use it for. And that, so everybody's kind of should have their own thing. Me personally, I don't, it is, this is my sports allotment. This is where I'm at. 
And this is, let's see where we can build this. And let me tell you, it is an absolute and utter roller coaster ride from football season until today. It always is. It's up and down and up and down. And I think that that's something you've got to be able to handle as those ebbs and flows or those spikes and crashes for some of us. And being able to withstand those means that you'll just live to bet another day. Love the message there because that is all very important. Um, if you are overextending yourself too much and you're just going to wind up not enjoying this. So, oh, then you're, you'll be miserable. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Cause I've been there. Yes. Cause it mis- I mean, there, the Sunday, I had the best Friday, Saturday opening day of March Madness. Sunday, I was with uh, some buddies and I didn't love anything that day, but I was, you know, breaking some of my own rules, betting some of the games they were betting so I could have action. And next thing you know, I had a terrible day, but luckily it was just one of those roller coaster rides. It could have been catastrophic. And for some of the people in the group, it was because, well, next thing you know, you're doubling, tripling down, you're betting, you know, thousands of dollars on a game you maybe normally would have hundreds on. So I I hate to be that like mama bear that's like, listen to me, but trust me, learn from all of my mistakes and you're going to be okay. That's, I, I know some of those buddies, I think. And Chris talked me into guaranteed Texas Tech over Arkansas. Uh, I, like, I don't, Texas I don't have a Tech. feel for this game. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't know if I'm going to forgive te- Chris for Texas Tech. <laughs> it has been, uh, that was so frustrating. I liked Arkansas and I actually, at one point in time, my boyfriend was sitting in front of me and he said something and, and he goes, oh, I have Arkansas. And I was like, oh, then I was like really mad because I wasn't going to bet the game Then I let Chris talk me into it. And those are things that don't normally happen. But when you're in a sports book and beers are flowing, yeah, you, you nailed it. I'm going to actually text him right after this and be like, hey, remember the Texas Tech back? Thanks, buddy. You should remind him. Um, I would say something to him, but I also <laughs> talked him into a player prop that did not work out. So we're even. We just exchanged losing bets and there you go. Well, Watch you did talk me into a player prop that I'm still actively looking for. Matt Mayer under points for tonight. I'm going to have to be searching high and low because we still don't have DraftKings in Nevada. <laughs> Nine and a half. You'll be you'll, you'll find it somewhere. Uh, three points high, apparently. Um, uh, I had there was something else I was going to say, but we'll forget it at this point. Uh, that story about Texas Tech just got me Sorry. off whatever we just were got, you just got you all frazzled no it was yeah now i'm going <laughs> going back to that time but yeah that was oh here we go i have it for you um i agree with you those first three days of march madness um were some of my better days of the year monday regressed a little bit but one of the reasons this has been a good tournament for me was just getting in on the oregon state wave uh and backing them with the points pretty heavily each game and then sprinkles on the money line um and I gave that out to a couple friends and he was like telling me why his Oregon state money line didn't cash. I was like, what are you talking about? We got him like plus three ten, And he's like, yeah, I went in and parlayed him with Texas. And I was like, you took a plus three ten money line winner and lost it on a minus 400 Texas. I was like, that is the, that is so cocky to lose, to add like an e bets, like $50. I'm like, you're at trying to add like eight bucks to this winner by adding a first round upset, do not do these things. Do not get- Yeah, I don't understand. I, I was just using my coworker as an example last night and he parlayed Celtics money line with Nuggets money line with two other giant favorites. And I asked him, is that four team or pay? And he goes, minus 190. And I was like, God, those things make my skin crawl. You know, the funny thing is I had Abilene Christian parlayed with Oregon State 
uh, parlayed with whoever UCLA beat, I think was BYU. I think I had all three of those guys on the money line. And that was the last day I bet against UCLA, Oregon state, absolute money, UCLA, absolute money as an underdog, Abilene Christian died a slow death after the Texas game, but there were some really fun upsets. And uh, yes, when you look, I'm of the mantra of, I never parlay favorites. I only parlay at least two dogs on the money line. And uh, Utah State kind of killed me against Texas Tech. Maybe that's why I let Chris talk me to Texas Tech because I was so mad that Utah State killed our four-teamer, all, all four dogs on the money line, $300. Each of us threw in 50 bucks in our group, uh, $300 to win 13 grand. It was like a big team ticket. And mm. that, was, that was where Utah State looked really good in the first half, crashed and burned in the second. But Wisconsin, easy. And uh, Oregon State was on there. There was a couple of other really fun outright underdog winners that Friday. But yeah, I, I like when you parlay, I, I'm of the mantra of bet a little to win a lot, because at that point in time, you're going to get better odds. You know, these tickets we see all over the internet of like 12 teamers that pay, you know, all of this money. It's because most of them have pluses next to them. Very rarely are they a bunch of uh, minus tickets. And uh, I think that if people break down the math separately. You can go online, find a parlay calculator. You'll actually realize that those minus $4 favorites and above actually kill your odds just completely on your ticket. Yep. Um, All right. I got to get you out of here on this. I think I know what you're going to say. You don't need to bet anything, but I got to make you pick the game tonight. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? I think the Zags are going to win. I think there's a big overreaction to the game against UCLA. I think UCLA should have never been 11 seed. And I think they were grossly undervalued this entire tournament. I think Baylor is going to give the Zags a really good game, but I think the Zags will pull away at the end. And I like the under 159 and a half. There we go. I'm on the same page with you. Zags in a tight one. Uh, and hopefully once I wind up attempting to middle, that's what we get. There you go. If uh, Chris is going to have an aneurysm, if Baylor doesn't win. So. Oh, true. Forgot, forgot about that. I, t- um, I, t- I told him what night was that? Saturday night, I was texting. I was like, there's fives. They're going to be gone. There's fives. There's fives. And it was he was already in bed, and he woke up, and everything was four and a half. And I was like, I told you, you needed to get the five. And he was like, oh, I was asleep. I go, that was that was piss poor planning on your part, buddy. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, stay up late. Get good get good numbers, people. Sometimes it, sometimes it pays off. Um, all right. Kelly Stewart, thank you for joining us on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. You can find her on Twitter once again at Kelly in Vegas. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Julian Edlow if you guys don't already. Uh, and yeah, you can catch her work pretty much all over the place doing it all out there in Vegas. Uh, thank you for coming on with us. Thank you for having me.